All right, race fans, Ryan Aho here and the one and only Bert Lehman. Bert, how's it going over in Wisconsin? Uh, it's going all right. Uh, had some rain earlier. Sounds like we're going to have some thunderstorms. Could get over an inch of rain here. So uh, the Shano Speedway opener has already been postponed a week. Uh, hopefully that's all it's postponed. Yeah, I, I know that the people in North Dakota watching the show, they're like, Bert, seriously, <laughs> we're about an inch of rain. We're going to come over there and curb stomp you because they're supposed to get like, I've seen reports that they're supposed to get like as much as two feet of snow. Hopefully that doesn't happen. But I talked to the folks up at the Devil's Lake Speedway and they said, we're basically ready to go. We we're going to have practice. We just needed the frost to come out. And that's not happening this week, well, probably not next week either. That was us three years ago. We got um, um, like 30 inches of snow three years ago, almost to the date this week <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect that's perfect. we got a little bit of snow here in minnesota not a ton uh, a little bit of freezing rain going on right now but in our neck of the woods right up in northern minnesota racing doesn't start till mid-may anyway you know so not a big deal we'll touch on that a little bit more in a second here but of course episode 124 brought to you by our friends over in watertown south dakota dirt track supply course ron anderson and trevor it's been servicing race cars they've been in the racing industry for decades now um both accomplished racers and they service a lot of tracks and i know trevor's been having some posts up online about the tire situation so follow trevor anderson on facebook and you'll be able to kind of see what a lot of these vendors are dealing with it's kind of a tough one but it's that time of the year where people are, you should be having your car pretty close to ready. If you need any final last parts or anything like that, get a hold of Dirt Track Supply and they'll be sure to help you out. So Bert, <clears throat> speaking of that, the Hoosier tire situation. Wow. Wow. Um, everybody I talked to says it's looking to be worse than last year. And, and I put down some notes here. And, and I really want to talk about, this is the biggest story in dirt racing right now. By, by all means, the, in our area for sure, probably in your area as well. I know USRA is dealing with it. Lucas Oil is dealing with it. Tires is a nightmare. And, and really what we got to be doing as a racing industry is looking for some viable solutions to help with this. Because quite honestly, Bert, it ain't going to change. And everybody I'm talking to says, probably going to be worse i talked to blake at hoosier tire north and he says this sucks he goes i'll be honest with you i did not expect to have to deal with this kind of drama when i you know him and scott willis took over hoosier tire north he never anticipated this right he didn't anticipate people calling and like literally screaming at them about tires so racers understand hoosier tire north for example and all the distributors they're nothing more than a distributor. They don't manufacture the tires, right? They get what they get from Hoosier. They have a certain amount that they can spread out to all the racers. That's what they got, right? That's what they got. So they're doing the best they can. Everybody's going to have to work together. <clears throat> so really, we have to explore all options. And, and I talked to uh, Bob Kaufman over at Cedar Lake, and, and I said, you know, because they haven't been with soda, right? For what, 20 years, Bert, it's been something like that. I think it was 2000 and I want to say five was the last year that they were with soda. That, so that, that's, that's hard. It's hard to believe that it's been that long. <laughs> it has. 2006 and seven was DTRA 
And uh, yeah. yeah, so it's been 2005. So it's been a long time. And you think Wasota 100s and all the history of Wasota at the Cedar Lake Speedway. And I'm like, has there been any thoughts of Cedar Lake maybe going back to Wasota Sanctuary? I mean, maybe not in all the classes, right? I, I can understand modifieds because they have USRA cars come. You know, they have Wasota cars come. It works for them. I get it. Super stocks, for example, there is no other sanctioning body that's super stocks. So, I mean, why not go with soda? And uh, he says the biggest benefit to them to being non-sanctioned is when stuff happens, they can make adjustments, not have to worry about being set into a set of rules and an adjustment might be tires, right? You know, for example, it'd be very easy for them to say, look, we're having a shortage of tires. You know, if you can get USRA tires, if you can get G60s, if you can get UMP tires, Let's just make it work. We're at the point right now, if it's round and black and holds air, and maybe, I mean, we might get to that point, right? You know, I saw Trevor, you know, talking about their, talking about it online. He says, look, we're only allotted so many tires and we want people to have tires for the big races at the end of the year, the invitationals. And if we use up our whole allotment in the first few months, then what's going to happen, right? So, so we got to work together. We got to come to some solutions. So that's a, that's one of nothing against Wasota, but that's one of the benefits. And with that said, Wasota could maybe they could maybe play around with that a little bit too. I get it. They have a contract with Hoosier, but let's face it, if Hoosier is not fulfilling their end, and I'm talking Hoosier corporate, not Hoosier Tire North, but if they're not fulfilling their obligation and getting the amount of tires needed to actually have a good racing season, is that a breach of contract? I mean, does that give them some flexibility and saying, hey, maybe we can explore some other options? I don't know. Maybe it's something to take a look at. You know, let's look at another thing. It wasn't so long ago, Bert, that street stocks, pure stocks, for sure pure stocks, right? They were on street tires. And let's be honest, I know street stock guys. I love you. I love you. I love that class. I've been breaking you guys up for a while. But a street stock's a glorified pure stock. What it is, right? It's a stock car right mostly especially with soda why not look at the opportunity of maybe going back and say let's just put these two classes back on street tires it's a lot easier to get street tires right you know than it is to get with soda hoosiers and i have a pretty good feeling and i'd love to see somebody test this just a hunch just a hunch i'm thinking street tires probably refire more than once or twice all right you know they don't wear out as much you can run them longer so Maybe it's not a maybe it's not a bad alternative to look at for sure pure stocks, maybe street stocks, and saying, "Look, we're going to go back to street tires, and maybe that's the best option." Let's see, Bert's over there distracted. What are you looking at? I can't see what you're looking no. at over there. <laughs> well, no, actually, I have the Brewer game on in the background, and they have uh, the Tavern of the Game, and it's actually it's actually a bar that's within 15 minutes of where I live. <laughs> the Brewers suck. Okay, they do so far. They do. They do. So, like, seriously. Yeah, okay. So, so you're chasing squirrels. We're trying to do a show. You're watching the lonely Brewers. I'm a Minnesota Twins fan, but I, you know, Illinois, and I know the Cubs just kicked the shit out of your Brewers here a couple they days. They did. Ago. They did. I'm just saying, like, I mean, that's about as bad as watching basketball. I don't know what to think, right? So, pure stocks, street stocks, fans, drivers, if you're in that class, what do you think, right? What do you think? Is that a viable option? If we can't get tires, if there's a shortage, and you look at UMP mod tires, Bert, I've heard they're going as high as 165 out the door. 
Well, I believe that. So with that said, you know, swallow your pride. I get it. Everybody's like, oh, I want to be on a racing Hoosier too. Why? There's no benefit, right? So if everybody can be on a street tire and if you can get that tire cheaper and it can last longer, that might be better for racing. And that might allow more tires to be available to super stocks, Midwest mods and modifieds. Just a thought. Another thing here, um, speaking of the prices, right? <clears throat> so I was online here Oh, end of last week, and, and one of the vendors up in northern Minnesota, um, somebody put on there, they're like, why did the tires go up in price? And I started arguing with the guy. I'm like, they didn't go up in price. He's like, bull crap. They went up in price, $17. I'm like, no way. No way. I'm like, they aren't supposed to. They're locked into a contract. Well, I did some digging at that particular vendor, Bert. They went up $17 from last year. And I'm like, well, how the hell can they do that, right? Well, I found out. So Hoosier Tire North, again, they got the duty of distributing tires to all the vendors, right? So you take uh, take Dirt Track Supply, who they supply tires to multiple racetracks, um, service a lot of people. They sell a lot more tires. So percentages-wise, they get more tires available to them than a vendor that sells very few. That's just kind of the formula that they have, probably the best way they can do it right now. Well, they limited this particular vendor to eight tires eight 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 and they literally said well hey here's the deal you know that's one tire for eight people no that's that's four tires for two people right let's just be honest or two tires for four if you're doing the two tires thing last i checked most race cars um have four tires maybe this is a whole new meaning but maybe we're going to go back to the leave the left front at home right maybe just completely eliminate that we go back back a little bit get the cars hiked up left front just completely take the left front off you only need three tires then maybe that's an option i don't know but he actually i talked to him he sent me a picture of his invoice his invoice with the increase in shipping because the price break is at 20 okay and this is car quest up in Tibbing, minnesota they help they've, they've done a lot for the sport and and he felt bad he did you don't want to you don't want to charge people more but the fact is his cost with shipping was more than what other vendors are selling the tires with tax included out the door. He's like, I, I had to, he goes, I mean, you don't make no money on tires anyway. And if I can't you know, make a couple bucks for my time doing it, why even well, doing it? You know, I so mean, it's kind of a bad deal. You sure you can't do it where you're going to lose money. I mean, you have to at least at the very, very least break even. Right. And at that, at that point, what's, what's the point of even doing it if you're not going to make any, any money, but that's where, you know, when, you know, when there are people out there that say, well, you know, the cost of this shouldn't, shouldn't be put onto the consumer. Well, it has to be put onto the consumer because the businesses, like I said, they can't lose money. So if, shipping goes up that means the final the cost of the final product is going to go up i mean that's right. just simple economics right and, and the fact of the matter is and maybe blake if you're listening now that who's retired north <laughs> maybe an alternative in this situation is look if, if the price breaks at 20 let's make sure that that vendors get at least 20 right i mean get them to the price break on shipping so they don't have to pay that inflated shipping price at least you know not a huge deal. I mean, you know, I get it. They don't want to take away from other places to sell more tires, but maybe hold them tires and say, hey, we'll send you 20 next week, 
or that you can figure out a way to not make that happen. Hopefully they got that resolved because I know he wasn't really happy about it. And he's, you know, he's got a lot of pride and he's helped a lot of racers and that's something he doesn't want to do. So another thing, drivers, right? I mean, I've heard drivers, Bert, I've already heard this already. It's already happened. I'm going to give a tip of the cap right here to Trevor at Dirt Track Supply because he made it very clear. And again, he does not want to do this, right? But he made it very clear that they're going to do everything they can to eliminate drivers from hoarding tires. Okay. They, and he did, he did a couple of Facebook lives on this. He goes, if you're one of our customers, if you race at our tracks, if you're one of our drivers, you know who you are, we'll sell you tires. They're keeping a database on it. So you can only get a couple tires a week or they got it. They got it all figured out. You'll have to listen to the, to the lives. There's already drivers, Bert, that are doing the, the that are doing the game, right? They're calling this vendor, and that vendor, and this vendor and that vendor. And they're like, Hey, I got eight, 10 tires already. And it's like, that ain't good for anybody. I mean, I get it. If I was racing, I would do the same thing. I would, I guarantee I would. I'd, I'd want to be at an advantage. I would definitely want to do that. But let's be honest, it's not fun racing against two cars, right? If you're, if only three of you have tires and everybody else stays home, I'm sorry, but that's just not entertaining for anybody. So we're in a situation where everybody's got to work together a little bit. And that leads me to something on drivers. You know, Bert, let me ask you this as a fan, as a race fan. Do you remember back in the day, and maybe it still happens at your tracks. I know it doesn't really happen often at ours. But you remember when somebody got a flat early in the race, and they'd go in the pits, and they'd change that tire, and they'd come back out, and the crowd would be captivated going, I wonder how far back up to the front that driver can get. Does that still happen? Or when somebody gets a flat, are they pretty much done for the night over? Um, no, it still happens is that uh, they change the tires. Um, I mean, you know, I guess it depends on, on the situation, but there's a lot of drivers that still change the tires. Yeah, see, in our area, depending on the class, especially late, somebody in the late model ding something up, they're done for the night, they pull off. And, and we see it, especially with the point average lineup. And again, I, I hate the rule. I think the rule's stupid. I'll talk more about that in a second. But, you know, if a person's, if you're not, which it doesn't happen very often, unfortunately, but let's say you have a 20 car feature, 22 car, 24 car feature, and you get a flat right away. If you're not racing for track points, oh, whatever, just pull off. We'll start right. in front next week. Not a big deal. If you're racing for track points, they're going to be like, Hey, every point matters. Okay. Well, with the tire shortage and the tire situation, are we going to see more of when drivers are not having a real good night? Just, just pull off. Just save their tires. Hey, we're halfway through the race. We're back here in 12th, 14th. We ain't going nowhere. We're just going to live to play another day, maybe get another night out of these tires. Do you think that's going to happen a little bit more often? Oh, that, I mean, it, it's very possible depending on how many tires they do have. And I mean, you know, they may also be depending on who the driver is and what their upcoming schedule is. You know, if they got some big specials coming up where they want to, you know, make sure that they have enough tires to choose from. Uh, yeah, that may happen. Or maybe they just skip a week, you know, skip a regular weekly race. If they, ha if there's a whole slew of, I mean, doesn't uh, XR have like the week of Wasota late model racing or something? I mean, are some late, are some late model drivers going to skip some regular shows prior to that to make sure that they have tires for that week of racing? 
I know what happened at the end of the year last year, right? Because I know that there was there was Hibbing and Grand Rapids drivers that are that were saying for the last couple of weeks, we're just going to race Hibbing or just going to race Rapids because we want to save our tires so we have more tires available for Labor Day weekend. Um, I know that Jeff Hardy, for example, he says, you know what? I'm not going to race the last couple of weeks of August. I just don't have tires. It's important to me to be out there for Labor Day, so I'm going to make sure I have tires for that. That will happen. So I don't want to see people taking nights off. That sucks. That ain't good for anybody. But no, I know. I agree. It's going to happen. But late models, more than anybody, I remember for years and years, late models, somebody would be having a bad night, don't pull off, bad night, pull off, bad night, pull off. And with the point average, it annoyed me. But I think that's going to be more common now simply because economics, you almost have to. Now, a solution for Wissota here. So if you're a promoter, okay, and you agree with what I'm saying, this is just a thought and idea. I think we have to cut lines. Like literally we have to cut laps. We, with, with the tire shortage we have, there's no need for 10 lappies. Just don't need it. Just don't need it. You can cut the laps by two in the heat. Let's be honest. Most of the nights there's not, a, there's enough cars. There's nobody going to a B main anyway. So don't matter. Okay. So I think we need to cut laps in the heats. And, and again, as a racer, I hate the idea of shorter races. I do, especially 15 laps. But for regular night racing right now, I think that there's no reason to have more than a 15-lap feature. It just is what it is. Is it a little bit less entertainment value for the fans? Maybe, maybe not, because a lot of times most of the passing is done early in the race, and maybe people are going to have to be a little bit more aggressive. Now, a solution to this, so racers, before you have a complete heart attack with what I said, okay, they're all thinking, the top guys that are watching this going, the freaking point average lineup system, we already got to start freaking eighth, and now you want to cut laps? We'll fix that, okay? So right now in Wasoda, if there's two heats, eight cars make the invert. If there's three heats, three cars in each heat, so nine cars make the invert. Four heats, top two, right? Or two, uh, four heats, yeah, top two, which we don't see four heats. Just bring that down a little bit. If there's two heats, make it the top three make the invert. You know what that would do? That would make heat races more meaningful, right? Because now you got to get into the top three to make the invert instead of getting fourth or getting fifth and being able to start in the same spot. So I think they need to take the invert system they have with, with Soda Bert, and they need to have less cars making those invert spots, allowing that you can run less laps in the future and you're not penalizing the drivers as much. I think it's for better for racing all around and long-term, no, we don't need to do that long-term. Go back to more laps later. But right now, regular nights, you don't need to have 20, 25, 30-lap features for regular pick. Hibbing Raceway, Bert, 30-lap feature for $800 to win for a late one. Ridiculous. You don't need it. Don't need it. Challenge Series shows, $200 to start, 40-lap feature. And I bet 50% of them rubbered up halfway through last year. Okay. Challenge series shows go to 30 laps tracks. You got to work with everybody here, you know, fix the point average deal so you can do this. But I think you got to run less laps, drivers, fans, whoever put your comments on that. I'd like to hear your thoughts. Um, but we got to be looking for solutions because one thing we know right now is no matter what we do, we're going to be limited on how much tires we can get. You know, who's working with everybody more than anybody right now, Bert, mother nature. 
mother nature everybody's mad right everybody's mad oh man we're canceling we got races we got rained out snowed out this sucks probably for the best to be completely honest so we it just is what it is in the tire situation so with that said bert let's go back to uh, a blast to the past brought to you by impact health sharing so Impact Health Sharing, it's a great alternative to overpriced healthcare. Fans out there, people watching the show, if you know anybody or yourself, if you're paying for your own healthcare, shoot me a message, shoot me a text, I'll get you a quote. Takes just a couple minutes. Maybe I can help you out. And I've been able to help a lot of people save a lot of money, keep thousands in their pocket annually. And you can go to any doctor anywhere in the United States. There's no in network. So Impact Health Sharing, get a hold of me, Ryan Aho, see if I can help you out. But Bert, episode number 124, neither one of us had a 124, but I know you have some 24s. Yes, I have a few from uh, Eastern Wisconsin. Um, the first I'll start with, uh, remember two shows ago, uh, uh, Joe Haffercorn, uh, who won the first ever IMCA modified feature at Channel Speedway. Well, his son also raced Tom Haffercorn and his number was number 24. So, okay. Okay. so it was 22 and 24 between the father and the son. And, um, also I have, uh, Gary Nelson who used to race in, the uh, sportsman limited late model division he did race uh late models also uh towards the end of his career and then um tim bueller who's from down by the by sheboygan area um he used to uh race at channel speed while he he he'd drive up to annie go every friday race camp out and then he'd go to shano race at shano camp out and then they he'd go to Seymour on Sunday night and race so uh for sev several years for years and years he did that I mean his weekend was racing three nights a week and and I mean he lived like two hours away from Shano uh, but anyway he, um I believe I mean he raced last year but I believe he has retired and he won't be race he won't be racing this year uh but he started as number 24 uh, most recently, he was number seven, but he started as number 24. Didn't so he, those, did he win one this past year or the year before? Because we talked about it on the show, didn't we, that he won one over? He may, he may have. Um, I mean, to bring this into uh, Wissota perspective, when uh, Eastern Wisconsin late models were still Wissota, he actually traveled and raced in some of the Challenge Series races. And I believe, I believe it was a Challenge Series race. I believe it was in the Dakotas. He won a feature. Okay. Um, that that was back. That would have been back in the nineteen late nineties, probably when okay. when when he did that. Um, so those are the three that I have from Eastern Wisconsin. Oh, you said you have one more, maybe from possibly Minnesota. Who do you got there? I believe I believe it's from Bear, Minnesota, or Bear Lake, Minnesota, or Bear, Minnesota. Okay. No. I don't know. Mike King, didn't he race? Or no, Mike Bear. It was Mike Bear. I don't remember Mike if Bear. he's from Minnesota. Or he might be. I think he might be from Minnesota. Mike, yeah. And it said King on the side of one of his yes. cars. Yeah, he had a smaller number on the side of his car, and then it yeah. said King on it. Yep. yep. Yeah, so Mike Bear. Now, I got an interesting... I, boy, my, my memory's escaping me in my old age, Bert, I'll be honest. But Mike Bear, he'd been around for a long time. Right. He, he still makes it over. I think he still goes to the 
Cedar Lake Speedway once in a while. But I remember him back in the, I, I think the class would have been called CLS late models, which was kind of like a super stock, kind of a limited late model deal. I don't think it was a street stocks, but he had a 57 Chevy, right? And it was kind of a sweet looking car. He was pretty quick. And I remember him side by side. I was a little kid, so bear with me. I couldn't have been maybe 10, 12 years old, somewhere in that neighborhood. And we were sitting over in the front straightaway. I actually, I think we were sitting off a of turn four is where we were sitting in birth. This was before they had all the grandstands and all that down the back straightaway. And they actually had motor homes and all that parking down the back straightaway. And I remember him and the four car got together. And I believe that was Jerry Cattinger. And he went up over the wall in between two vehicles full of people and hit a motorhome. I don't think anybody got hurt. I really don't, but I was too young to remember. But it was like a wow moment that that car cleared the fence and hit that vehicle with all them people around. It was absolutely insane. So if somebody knows more about that, hopefully nobody got hurt because I don't want to bring up bad memories. But I remember that happening. But he had a really cool looking car and I'll post that on here. Another one I have, and this, this one here is somebody that I was a, a friend with, you know, for many years, he's been around racing for a long time. You hear the Kittner name all the time, right? We talk about Kittner up in Minnesota, Bob O'Kittner. He ran the 24, one of the nicest guys in racing. He ran six cylinders against my dad, them old 81 Camaro bodies, right? And he ran against my dad for many years. And uh, they, had, they had a big following over there. They had the Brad Hansen, Bob O'Kittner, kind of the Parkville gang, Jeff Forcine, you know, kind of Parkville Mountain Iron. And uh, for years and years, he raced in the six-cylinder class, transitioned over into the Superstock class. I raced against him for many years in the Superstock class. I, <clears throat> I remember he had an old Cobra car, super sweet looking. And then he got into the turbine chassis, which that was family to him, uh, Mark Tremberth. And literally there was a ton of turbines up there and Bob O'Kittner won some races in that turbine, lost his life. He's a, a Hall of Fame member over at the Hibbing Raceway, lost his life at a young age, was really sad for a lot of people that were really involved. But he was a guy, Bert, that just, he loved to have fun. I remember him and Brad Hansen, they'd party. We'd go to the Red Clay and, and hopefully nobody, hopefully we ain't going to get in trouble. There's got to be a statute of limitations on this, right? But I remember two things, right? One night I walked, I was a kid. I was still young. I was still too old, too young to be racing. And I was walking through the pits and taking pictures and all that before the features at the Red Clay Classic. And uh, Bob was like, Ryan, come over here, grab a Polish, grab a, grab a hot dog. They had the grill going, right? And I look over there and here's Brad Hansen just literally passed out. It's like two o'clock in the afternoon on feature day at the Red Clay Classic. I'm like, is he alive? He goes, well, he's in the feature. He should be good by feature time, but he's not in really good shape right now, he said. And I think they had, a, they had like, they were playing football. And I think he tackled Brad one year, broke his leg. He was a kind of a bigger guy. <clears throat> and then, oh, another deal over at the Red Clay Classic is, I remember we used to have bonfires all the time and we'd do it at the hotel. We stayed right on Lake Superior. And I, it was Bob and Brad, and I think Harry Hansen was there, that whole group, right? And literally they just kept, they kept finding wood for the bonfire. You know what the wood was? It was picnic tables lawn furniture all that stuff from the hotel they like burnt all of it 
and they had a bonfire all night long. And that was, I mean, that was common stuff back in the day, but Bob O'Kintner was a fixture at the Hibbing Raceway for a long time. And a guy that we certainly miss up there sticking with the Kittner name, Jay Kittner. And uh, this guy here, 24 J, he's been racing for a long time. He's ran hobby stocks and super stocks and modifieds and late models. And he has multiple Labor Day shootout wins, both in the super and in the late model. In fact, he just recently won the Labor Day shootout in the late model. But that Kittner name has been uh, a staple at the Hibbing Raceway for many years. And uh, Jay's got a, a different look to his car this year. Just take a peek at it online. Pretty cool looking. Um, another guy, do you remember this name, Jeff Lean? Uh -uh. No. He ran late model super stocks, street stocks, you name it. But Jeff Lean was a number 24. And I remember him back in the street stock days jumping up to supers. I actually drove his late model one night over at the Eagle Valley Speedway. Honestly, I have no clue how I did. I, I was in, uh, I think I was in a super stock at the time. I think I ran mid-pack, did okay with it. But Jeff Lean in the 24 in a little Jeff Leon story. So his kids racing, Jeffrey Leon Jr. He's racing now. And I remember over in Ashland, Jeff Leon got disqualified, right? In the, um, after the heat race for having a B mod motor in an A mod. Unbelievable, unbelievable. But uh, he, he's back at it. He's been around racing for a long time. Another super stock guy that I remember doesn't race anymore, Dan Carlson, the 24C. I remember going to the Cedar Lake Speedway and several times we parked either right next to him or a couple spots down. Formidable opponent. Uh, really, really fast car. Mostly just raced at Cedar Lake. He did come to a couple nights up at Superior, but uh, doesn't get around the track anymore. But Dan Carlson was really quick for a guy that raced one night a week. Um, another guy here that I have, super stock guy. Jeff would know this guy, um, our late model expert, Jeff, who happened to be the tech guy down at the Grove Creek Speedway, Scott Thompson. He ran really well for several years at Grove Creek over at Wilmer, uh, won several races, was a guy that was really tough to beat, even when I was racing for championships. But uh, sounds like he had some health issues that got him out of the car. And I don't think he's been back in a car since. Um, and then another guy that I have in I have a picture. I don't know the whole story, but JP Ozzy, Terry Little, they kind of raced together. I know Aaron Little ran a pier stock number 24, but I have a picture of a modified here with JP Ozzy standing next to it. But Ozzy and Little, they ran in the in the super stock together. They ran in the modified together in a 24. They were also number zero. Of course, Terry Little still getting after it. And uh, there's this car, you might recognize it, orange car. Like here, this guy. Oh, the national guy? Yeah, the national yeah. guy. I don't remember his name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Scrub, Rick Eckert. Scrub, yeah. I mean, if you think national late model scene, it's Rick Eckert, right? I mean, that's that's who I mean, even though now he's zero, right? But he didn't he win. Was it was that half a was that car up there? Was that half a Tampa? Is that what that was? Uh yeah, he raced half a Tampa back. Because he won a day. couple championships in that, didn't he? I don't know if he won any championships. I don't know. Of, yeah, I feel like he's got at least he has a world of outlaw championship, doesn't he? I'm not sure on that. I'm actually. not sure. We're gonna have to check that out. <laughs> so fans check that out, but Rick Eckert. So that's it for our blast of the past. And 
you know, what do we say we get into the national recap? Not a lot of racing this past weekend. We'll keep it short here. Got a couple tidbits here. But national recap brought to you by our friend Brad Parson. And I know it's snowing right now in North Dakota, but you're still going to be able to plant stuff really, really soon. And if you don't have everything you need, you know, he's got some solutions for you that can help you increase your yields. He can help you be more profitable, both things that you're looking for if you're in farming, especially when the weather's not cooperative. But uh, they've done extensive testing and they've had some great numbers. So get a hold of Brad and he can certainly help you out. Got 15 year track record, uh, mostly in the Dakotas and Western Minnesota. But a uh, racer, he's been around racing for a very long time. So we want to stick with those that are part of our group. And that's Brad Parson. He can, he can definitely help you out. So this past weekend here, a little bit of late model action, Bert. Lucas Oil Dirt Late Model Series in action. Supposed to be three shows. Mother Nature, one night number one. And then they went to Hagerstown and Port Royal. Hagerstown the first night, I'll be honest, fairly uneventful. Um, just not real eventful. They just kind of farmed the bottom, kind of one lane. Turbo absolutely curb stomped them. I mean, he drove away. T-Mac was second, but he just never really had anything for Turbo. So he kind of drove away with that. Pretty impressed by him. Um, Bishop put on the backup beeper. He was up battling for the lead. And I think he he passed himself all the way from in the top five to like 11th. Really good run for him. I don't know what the hell he was doing, right? Um, but Port Royal was actually a little bit more exciting. It was not too bad. Um, what stuck out to you over at Port Royal? Well, I mean, obviously, um, uh, I mean, the heat races were, weren't too eventful, except for the one where uh, the, the one that Greg Satterley was in because he started, he was on the outside front row, I believe. He was, and, he was. And uh, going into one and two, he got up in the marbles and actually got into the wall and um well, then he got together with Clanton, too, after he came off the wall, didn't he? Yeah, a little bit. He got bit. together with somebody. Bad. Yeah, it wasn't but, horrible. Yeah, and then, well, the yellow came out. Um, now, they did say that there was another car. I mean, because Saturday never stopped. So, I mean. Um, Nobody stopped. Okay, well, when I was watching, I thought the audio said that so-and-so stopped. And, no, uh, there, there was contact okay. with another car, right, that messed okay. them up. In my opinion, there shouldn't have been a yellow, right? So we're talking about national late model scene, Bert. So I, I've already been very critical of this no-fault caution rule, right? To where, like, I can yard sale somebody, I keep going to get my spot back. If they're going to do that, how can they possibly have original restart? How's, how's that even a thing? I mean, he the, it looked like the air came off his nose, he got up, he got loose, he got in the fence, got together with another car, whether they throw the yellow yellow or not immaterial, but then they give them a spot back and they put them back on the front row like a do-over. Man, I mean that that's kind of cool. I mean, if I love if I was in a late model, right? You just yard sale it into turn one and hope it sticks. If it doesn't get your spot back, go again, right? I don't know. What's your thought on this whole, you know, original restart where you don't even penalize the guy for bringing out the caution? I mean, I think uh, it should be original restart, but the guy who caused the caution should, um, you know, go go to the back of the pack. Uh, I mean, at, at you know, this is a weekly show, but at Shano, they have a one spin rule in the heat races. So if you spin, um, you're done for the heat race, unless it happens on the first lap. You can spin on the first lap, but if you're the cause of the caution, 
then you go to the back and then they restart the race. You don't, you don't actually get your spot back. Hey, that'd be a good way for lower budget guys, right? To save money on tires. Cause a lot of them guys spin out in the first two, three laps. Of the race. <laughs> save tires right there. Probably, probably not such a bad deal. No, I, I agree with you, Bert. I mean, if whoever causes a caution to go to the back now, I will say this. He had the best car in the feature. We'll talk about what happened there. He did have the best car, but Christmas came early twice, twice. So he got a gift in the heat. It is what it is. He took advantage, right? But what happened in the feature? Well, uh, Kyle Larson and uh, um, Hurricane. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, they were battling. I mean, Larson had the lead. And he was running, he was running to middle to the high side the whole time. And then uh, uh, Pearson got on the inside of him going down the back stretch. That well, he actually got in front of him at one point. And then uh, going into three, I mean Larson, he crowded him <laughs> down. He crowded. I mean, they were, he they crowded were in lap him. Traffic though. They were they were in lap traffic. Were they? I yeah. mean. He, it looked like Larson, well, Larson was definitely in a lower groove than what he was he racing won. the previous laps. Yeah. And I, I think uh, Pearson did um, go up a little bit, even though Larson was there. And at that track, they have a fence on the infield. So, I mean, it's not like you can maneuver. I mean, if you get crowded, there's nowhere else for you to go to the inside. And they made contact. And then, and then uh, Larson spun out coming out of four and... Uh, both, both were done. Both were well, yeah, both of them. Well, they went back out, but uh, I mean, they were they were done as far as being. Pearson um, did, but then he pulled off. He exited right off the top. He was done. Okay. Well, Larson yeah. went out for a little while. I don't know if he yeah. actually finished the race. Um, but yeah, and that gave the lead to Saturday then. Uh, but like you said, I mean, he had the best car. I mean, he started, you know. I don't know, row three or row, row yeah, four. I think so. And yeah. I mean, he was, he was passing cars. He definitely had the best car. Yeah. And, and it's interesting what he said, right? Cause he was coming, he chased them down a lot of traffic and it looked like he was ready to pounce anyway. I, I think without that ordeal, Saturday wins that race. I think he was going by both of them, but it was interesting what he said. He goes, you get into turn three and you couldn't see anything until you were coming out of turn four because of the way the sun was coming down. So, so I found that interesting because it wasn't one of the drivers involved with the incident that said that he said that in victory lane. And I'm like, man, I have been in that situation, you know, several tracks. I remember going to Jim falls and in the heat races, you'd be driving on the back straightaway and you could not see a thing getting into turn three until you apex the corner. And then all of a sudden it'd be like, Oh wow. Like that's crazy. So I wonder how big, I'm guessing that that must have played a huge role in that incident because yeah, he moved down and stuff was happening with lappers, but how much of a, how much of a factor was not being able to see in that whole ordeal. Right. So with that said, um, did you see what happened with RTJ? Uh, he got up into the wall once himself. Uh, um, and yeah, he, he, uh, He's not having a very good season so far. Yeah, well, he brought out a backup car, and he got the hard charger, right? He got up to – started last, got up to, like, 11th, but he got disqualified. Because oh, I of, didn't 
Yeah, I he got disqualified. Okay. I don't know if it's when he got into the fence or what happened, but the left rear chain eliminator, the whole the something in the chain eliminator broke. So that way, and that's what limits the car on hike up for the droop rule, right? So when they went to check his droop rule, the car just kept going up and up and up. They're like, uh, yeah, what's going on here? The that the whole system broke. So there was no limit on how far the car could hike up, automatic disqualification. So he got last in the feature. So okay. so a rough night times 10 because, yeah, that last place was a whole lot different in points and finishing. I think he would have got 11. Um, Brandon Shepard, point lead. Point lead, we'll talk about that in a minute. Devin Moran struggled again. Um, he just did not look real good all weekend. He was terrible, in my opinion, over at Bristol. Um, he uh, did not look all that good. You know, we, we, I had really high hopes for him. He was so unbelievably good at speed weeks and it's like the, he just cooled right off. So can Devin Moran turn it around and get back to the form that he was in to start the season, Bert, what do you think? I mean, it's always possible to uh, turn it around. Um, you know, the way he's been performing, it makes you wonder, uh, what impact that, uh, his brother not be not traveling with him is having on the performance of that of that team um so well you know that's something we'll have to watch as the season progresses uh, i was going to touch on this a little later in who's not hot but um uh, another guy really struggling is hudson o'neill i mean he got lapped halfway through the race it was only lap 15 and he was getting lapped <laughs> Not good. Yeah, we'll talk about that in, in a little bit here as well. And uh, the last thing on the Lucas side is a tire deal, right? Because, you know, forever and ever, open racing, Lucas, World of Outlaw, it's been a free-for-all. I mean, it was nothing for people to, to have qualifying tires, heat tires, feature tires, right? Change tires in the middle of a race and a long race, all that. Well, they had it down to six tires. And now at this last swing they were on, it was a five-tire rule. So you had to run the same fronts and left rear, and then you were allowed to change the right rear for the feature. That's it. And now the next swing, which is going to be what, Macon, one more track over there, Macon's one of them, four tires. The tires you start the night with, that's what you run the rest of the night. That's it. That's it. So that's another thing that was soda needs to be looking at it. I get it. It's more work for a tech guy because you got to take pictures of the of serial number, you got to document what tires are running. You can't just mark them because racers are too smart for that. They'll remark a different tire, but you, you got to take, you got, there's different things that you got to do and you really got to be on top of it because we can't be having people running, you know, heat race tires and feature tires. And we just can't do that. We're not in a position with tires to do that. So it's interesting. It's not just locally Lucas oil. They recognize the problem. They're hoping that they don't have to cancel races but that's the world we live in today. So let's jump on to some World of Outlaw Sprint Car action. One of the two, one by Mother Nature. They went to, uh, I don't know what track was it at. They had the Jason Johnson Classic. I don't even have the track written down, which is probably good, right? Because I don't want to, <laughs> nobody needs to know the track. I mean, it was horrible. I was, I was watching this with my buddy, Jeff Krause, and he's like, what are they doing? They, they went out and they farmed the track before the feature, and they farmed just the bottom. It's all they oh, really? That's it, right? So what do you suppose the track did? It One lane on the bottom, it, it completely locked down, and 
people were shredding tires. They showed one tire just got destroyed in, I think, the, either the dash or in the, I think it was a dash. Maybe it was a last chance qualifier, one of the two. And it's like unbelievable. I mean, just terrible racing. Now, it was kind of cool, right? Jacob Allen, uh, Bobby Allen's kid parking in victory lane. That's somebody that doesn't normally win. Um, that's one of Puka's flat bill hat, you know, <laughs> pretty sure he might be a tweaker. I'm not really sure. I don't want to start any rumors here, but he's, he's, not, he's like your skateboarder race car driver is kind of what he is skate or die, but uh parking in victory lane ran a good race, kind of uncontested the whole way. Um, another, another Hoosier story. Remember we talked about Brent Marks uh, in victory lane. He kind of had it blacked out over the Hoosier a couple weeks back. David Gravel. A friend of the show sent me a picture said, hey, David Gravel joined the party. He had a white Hoosier sticker with white. It was either white paint or white tape right over the top of the Hoosier. Kind of uh, everybody's a little unhappy with the situation that Hoosier corporate's in. And remember, it's a foreign owned company right now. And maybe that's part of the problem, right? Maybe, maybe the Hoosier racing division just isn't a priority to this company. I don't know that. But uh, I know that racers are getting upset. Some of these series is, remember, Bert, they don't have a price lock on, so they're paying big money for tires. Big money. Wissota has a price lock on, but with that price lock, guess who's going to get their tires last? Right? That's just the way it is. That's just simple economics. So that's the world we live in. But we talked about at the end of the show last week, and I thought this was kind of fun, right? We talked about at the end of the show that we're going to take and we're going to rank our top 10 racing movies, okay? Our top 10 racing movies. Now, Bert, go ahead with yours, and you can go in any order. You can go first to 10th, 10th to 1st. I have my list. You have your list. I watched a few of these over the last uh, over the last week. So did I. Pretty that, good. That, a couple of them. That, I can't get that time back. They flat out suck. We talked about that. That's why I didn't watch as much racing this last week because <laughs> I was watching racing movies. <laughs> well, I, I told you which one you needed to watch. The rest of them, you didn't. So, um, go ahead, Bert. All right. Well, number one, I have Days of Thunder. Um, I, I don't know if you want me to talk about them or we're going to talk about them after. You, um, yeah, we can talk about them after. Yeah. Okay. I have Days of Thunder, number one. Uh, six Pack, number two. Uh, Senna, uh, number three, uh, Ford versus Ferrari, number four, uh, Blink of an Eye, number five, Rush, number six, um, The Last American Hero, number seven, Dale, number eight, Grease Lightning, number nine, and Cars, number ten. All right, so I have, and I'm going to go, uh, I'll go in the same order that you did here. Um, I got Days of Number, day, Days of Number, day, really? Days of Thunder. I have that number one. I have Six Pack Number Two, two of my favorite movies of all time. I'll be honest with you. I bet you I've seen both of them no less than 50 times. It just is what it is, right? Um, I have Blink of an Eye Number Three. I will talk about these movies in just a second. Ford versus Ferrari. I have that number four, as do you. Wow. I, did, I, didn't, I didn't get to watch Senna. I don't know if I missed something or what. I started watching it. It was like in a foreign language or something. like. Is, is oh, that, really? Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, what the hell is this, right? So I'm like, I'm going to have to watch that movie. But the one I was watching, like half of it was in a foreign language. I'm like, I think I found the wrong 
version of Senna. <laughs> right? um, Stroker Ace, I have that in at number five. I, I'm a Burt Reynolds fan. I thought that movie was great. It's a little cheesy, right? But uh, whatever. I thought it was kind of fun. Um, like you, I have Rush at number six. And then I have uh, The Last American Hero at number seven. Wow, our list is almost the same. It is. And, and what's crazy is I have three, the Dale Earnhardt story, number eight, right? And uh, I have, against my better judgment, I have Talladega Nights at number nine. And the reason I have that, it's a Will Ferrell movie. It's cheesy. It's fun. I just liked it. I don't know. It, it was it was cheesy. I get it. But there's a lot of sound bites, right, that come out of that movie. I mean, it, I thought it was good. And uh, kind of a homer on this one, Bert, but I got Fuel the Thunder from 2010 at number 10. What one? Oh, oh. yeah. Fuel the Thunder, baby. I don't know if I've seen that one. That was that was Barry Braun from XR, right? Did a documentary on the Como Mod series, 10 Drivers, that aired oh, on Fox, okay. put together a little clip. I was episode number eight, so I'm kind of partial <laughs> to that, right? A little bit cheesy, but it was a hell of a lot of fun. Kind of something that not a lot of people have done that kind of thing, especially to that point. And uh, that's actually, if you if you have a XR Plus subscription, he has it on there. That whole season is on there, so it's kind of neat. Um, so let's talk about these a little bit, right? So, so Days of Thunder. I mean... I, probably the best all-time NASCAR racing movie. We, we both have it at number one. I mean, did you watch the documentary on the, the making of that movie? Yes, well? I saw that last, I saw that uh, in February. You could oh, almost gosh. put that, you could almost put that yeah. in the top 10, you know, <laughs> the making of Days of Thunder. Um, I really changed the landscape of motorsports kind of in a time where NASCAR was at its, I mean, it was popular, heavily popular. And, and that movie, I thought it was fantastic. What did, what did you like best about Days of Thunder? Um, well, I mean, it's the racing is unrealistic compared to what the racing is really like. But it's it's something that you can just watch over and over. Um, and, you know, the opening scene where, well, I don't know if it's the opening scene of the movie, but where uh, they're building the race car and, you know he's talking to the chassis <laughs> as he's building there you know as he's going to start building the race car and you know you know it's said that the that the crew chief was based on harry hyde and that uh uh cole trickle was kind of loosely based on uh tim richmond so you know it, it kind of you know dives into you know some history in nascar even though it's you know it's a fictional story <laughs> right. right i thought it was fantastic i mean every year since that movies came out right before racing season kind of opens up up here every year i watch it you know before i mean i'll probably watch it multiple times throughout the year but every year it's kind of like a tradition i watch it right before racing season and well Love then that. you know there, there's a lot of quotes from that movie you know change my tires and you know we're <laughs> we're, we're you know uh, we're eating ice cream right now and, you know, stuff like that. And it, yeah, there know. is. There is. <laughs> it's, an, it's an absolute classic. And, and my guess is if you're a race fan, you've seen that. Movie. I mean, let's just be honest. If you haven't, do yourself a favor and watch it. It's fantastic. That's along with number two. Six pack. I had a really hard time not putting that number one, right? 
just because it's dirt, but you know, it's a it's a little bit cheesy. It's a little bit kind of a drama in there or whatever. Now, if you're a dirt fan and you have not seen the movie Six Pack, jump on YouTube, type in Six Pack. You can watch the movie for free. Kenny Rogers, unbelievable. It's it's my favorite era, my personal favorite era of dirt cars. How about you? Oh, yeah, that is my favorite era of dirt cars. I mean, I wish I could go back in time and um you know i was just a kid during that era so you know i remember bits and pieces from that but you know i wish i you know i wish i could remember it more than than what i actually do well there you go if you haven't seen that in a while it's on youtube right all you got to do is you go to youtube it's free on there too so you can find it okay you go to youtube you can click on six pack and, and there's a version that's on there for free Race fans, honestly, if you haven't seen that, absolute classic. Again, it's a little cheesy, but it, it honestly reminds me of some hooligans that I hung around with. I'm not going to mention their names because they know exactly who they are, right? But I remember there was a time, right, where these hooligans kind of pitted for me and helped me out. And next thing you know, they'd have a steering wheel of somebody's, right? And they, I remember one night they might have taken somebody's spark plug wires after the race. I'm like, they're just like the kids on six pack. It's unbelievable. Right. And they were, bro- they were brothers and they know who I'm talking about because they watch the show and Jeff knows who I'm talking about as well, too. Now you mentioned Senna and it uh, sounds like that was kind of a, you know, kind of on the life of Ayrton Senna. Um, yeah. I have not yet seen that yet because I saw the version that was not in English. So what, what, yeah. stuff yeah. you? what do you like about I, Senna? Um, yeah. I mean, it's about Ayrton Senna and uh his racing career um the rivalry that he had with some of the other drivers uh how he was i mean basically he was a rock star in his home country i mean he you know he was like i don't want to say a god but i mean he was he was up there uh in his home country and um you know I didn't know. I mean, I knew who Ayrton Senna was, but I didn't know a lot about him till I watched this. And I mean, I can remember when I watched it, it was like I, I couldn't stop watching it because it was so interesting. And, you know, they interview some of the other drivers and this one quote just sticks in my head ever since I watched it was one of the drivers said he thinks he can't kill himself. And that is very dangerous. Well, and, you know, for those of you who don't know, Ayrton Senna was killed in a, in a racing accident back in 1994. He was leading the race when he crashed and uh, died in the accident. And, you know, knowing that and then hearing that quote, you know, it just it just sticks in my mind. <laughs> right, right. I'm telling you, somebody mentioned it, one of our fans of the show that sent us questions back in the day you know, Formula One and all that. I mean, there was, they were losing a lot of drivers. I mean, it was, wow. it was very, very common to have a couple every year die on the, on the racetrack. It was just crazy. Well, I was actually looking, looking this up before the show and the day before Senna died, another driver got killed at that same track during a practice run. So. <laughs> wow. Well, well, and that I'll just jump ahead, right? I'm, I don't really need to go in any order, but we'll jump ahead to Rush. Because Rush is very much on the same path, you know, it's not on Ayrton Senna, but it's on Formula One. And, you know, just they talk about the, 
the drivers, and that's based on a true story as well, right? Yeah, it's it's actually the rivalry between James Hunt and uh, Nikki Lada. Yeah, and, Nikki Lada. Uh, yep. And and uh, yeah, it, it you know it's based on their rivalry, and uh, you know that was another movie I didn't know any you know because I don't follow F one, right. and. Um, but that was another one I'm watching and it's like, I couldn't stop watching it because I wanted to know, you know, more as to uh, what happened between these two guys. Yeah. That was an excellent movie. I was in the same boat. I haven't really watched a lot of F1, but you, I mean, looking at some of these tracks that these guys race on, I'm like, they're absolutely nuts. Right. I mm -hmm. mean, it's one thing, like you get dirt cars are like the tracks rough. Somebody's going to get hurt. These guys are going over 200 miles an hour and they can't see what's around the corner. What are you talking about? It's not even on the same plane. Well, especially since they race in the rain. So, right. yeah. <laughs> yeah, that you want to talk about high risk. I mean, uh, excellent movie. Very good storyline in that one. And uh, Ford versus Ferrari, another just uh, unbelievable movie. Just It's a recent one. Just in the last couple of years, um, what was it Matt Damon was the main actor, right? Is that? Is yeah. That, yeah. Matt. Matt Damon was the main actor, and then the driver was uh, Christian Bale. Yeah, Christian Bale, uh, and Matt Damon, of course, plays Carol Shelby. And of right. course, if you're familiar with cars, you got the Shelby Mustang. But excellent movie, Ford versus Ferrari, another one based on a true story. Uh, very interesting to see when when Shelby was was taking and partnering up with with Ford to build the world's fastest race car to knock off Ferrari. The way that the way that forward corporate treated Shelby and his team was like, you kind of wanted to like punch somebody in the face. Right. When watching that movie, you're like, this guy's an asshole. Like, what are you talking about? You know, but it was good. I really liked that. Movie. Well, and you know, when I was watching it, I was actually reluctant to watch it because it's like Ford versus Ferrari. What's this, what's this going to be about? But then uh, I sat down and watched it and I couldn't stop watching it. And I, I've actually watched it a few times since then because it, it's just, you know, that good. And I knew it was based on a true story, but you know how they, you know, they embellish some things yeah, and yeah. stuff. So actually, after um, I finished watching it the first time, I went online and Googled how accurate is the story. And they, it, it was pretty accurate to what actually happened. Yeah, and the same thing. I watched it twice as well, right? And I saw when it came out, I felt the exact same way. I'm like, Ford versus Ferrari, I don't know. I mean, whatever. If I get a chance, I'll watch it. I'm a dirt guy. has nothing to do with dirt. I don't care. I highly recommend it. it that, that easily could be in the top five as well. You have it number four. We both have it number four. So we do yeah, have yeah. it in the top five. Okay. Um, the next one here. If you're a Dale Earnhardt fan, there's two movies, right, that are really good Dale Earnhardt movies. And the one that I watched, and you probably did first years ago, was three, the Dale Earnhardt story. And I thought that was pretty good. Uh, are, kind of, are, are you talking about the ESPN movie? Uh, well, there's one, the Dale Earnhardt story, but it's three, right? Okay, because the one I'm talking about is this. Okay, that one's good too. There's all kinds of them. So, yeah. so Dale's <laughs> one, I had three. Both of them are good movies. So, I mean, there's there's several things out there. But I would you agree that Blink of an Eye is just a step ahead of both of those two? Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
blink of an eye, I can't believe I didn't see this. I actually, I actually didn't see it until February because um, they had it on with some of the Daytona 500 coverage. So I recorded it, but I thought, oh, that sounds kind of interesting. And then I started watching it and it's like, holy crap. And yes, I, I know you sent me the text and I'll admit it too. I mean, there were, there were portions of that where there were some tears flowing. <laughs> yeah, real, real tears. And I get it. I'm not putting on my man card for just a minute. But if you're a race <laughs> fan and you're a Dale Earnhardt fan and you don't cry from, from that movie, I don't know what to tell you because that movie was heart-wrenching. I'm going to be honest with you. When he won the Daytona 500 and he was going down pit road and all the people were congratulating him, I literally cried then, right? I cried then, like, when did it actually happen? Heck, I probably cried when he was leading and hit the seagull, right? So, like, literally, I don't know, I'm kind of soft or whatever, but I, like, that's just kind of the passion I had for Earnhardt in that movie. If you're a Dale Earnhardt fan, if you're a NASCAR fan, if you're a race fan, easily a top five movie, blink of an eye, unbelievable. It's a must watch. Got to do it. Um, <clears throat> the next one here, getting back into some history of NASCAR, right? Junior Johnson. And, and isn't the... Didn't Junior Johnson have something with Days of Thunder too? Was that his shop or something? I don't know. So I think I think Junior Johnson had. You have to look back on the history of Junior Johnson and Days of Thunder. Oh yeah, the barn. You're talking about the, the barn. barn was his. Yeah, I think that. I think there that, is some significance with the barn. I'm not. I can't remember what. I can't it remember is, what though. it is either. But there's a movie that's been out for a very long time. Had no idea until I was looking up racing movies. The Last American Hero. That's what it's called, right? The Last American Hero. Yes. yes. The Junior Johnson story. What a good movie. I, yeah. I was I was entertained and it was I thought it was good. What's your thoughts on that one? Yeah, I thought it was very good too. I mean, I knew the movie was out there, but I had never watched it until this past weekend. Um, because if we're gonna put put a list well, on Facebook, people were saying The Last American Hero. So, you know, it's like, well, I need to watch it before we talk about racing movies. But yeah, it, that, it was a very, very good movie. And, you know, I had always known that Junior Johnson got his start with cars as a, you know, moonshine, you know, running moonshine. And so, you know, it kind of explained that. And uh, it's just, it's fun watching uh, the old racing footage too in those movies. It was. My dad hasn't seen it yet, but I can assure you that my dad's going to be watching that one. And another one that was entertaining, speaking of moonshining, Greased Lightning. And uh, I I had no idea that movie even existed. Go ahead and talk a little bit about that. You recommended that to me. And and uh, I thought it was I thought it was entertaining. I thought it was a good actual overall good movie. And, and I'm glad I watched that one for sure. Yeah, um, you know, it, it, it's one of the, I remember watching it as a kid, and uh, it's, uh, it, it's the story of Wendell Scott, the first uh, 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 black person to uh, win a NASCAR race, and so it kind of, you know, went over how uh, he got started, and the, the old racing footage in, in that movie is really cool. <laughs> it is. And Richard Pryor, right, plays yep. Wendell Scott. And that's and this movie's so old. Richard Richard Pryor was young. I mean, this is an old movie. He started out as a moonshiner as well, and kind of a little bit of a rebel. His parents didn't want him to race. And I'm here to tell you, between that movie and The Last American Hero, my dad's gonna watch those and he's gonna be like, 
holy crap, that that brings back some memories for sure. And and let's let's face it, I mean, a black guy in the South and that day of age trying to race, you can only imagine how he got treated down there. And of course, Wendell Scott went on to be very successful in, in racing. Right. Um, another one here, Bert, that I have on the list, you do not, is Stroker Ace. Stroker Ace, he was born to race, right? Burt Reynolds. I absolutely <laughs> love me some Burt Reynolds, right? And and let's face is it, is the movie cheesy? There ain't even a question about it, right? I mean, you got, but I mean, you think back to the Bristol Dirt Nationals and they had, a, um, I don't remember the guy's name. but Yeah, he, I, I know what you're talking Peyton about. Taylor, Peyton Taylor was there with a stock car and he kind of had the chicken chat special and he was dressed. That was a throwback, of course, to Stroker Ace. Good movie. It was, it's entertaining. It's fun to watch. That's a movie there that if you have kids that like racing, you can easily watch out with the whole family. That's a classic. It is a very entertaining movie. And I, I did have it on my uh, uh, top 10 originally. I had it number 10, but I had forgotten about Rush. So I had to get <laughs> Rush on the list. Uh, but I can remember when I was a kid, I mean, Stroker Ace was on network TV every year and I would watch it every year when it was on network TV. <laughs> yeah, it's a must. Now, another one you have on here, the bird, admittedly, I have not watched this one yet. It's actually the next one on my list, um, Cars. And I know a lot of people are going to be like, how the hell could you not have seen Cars? I've literally never <laughs> seen the movie. Isn't that unbelievable? I mean, you see the Lightning McQueen. I know you have Robin Snyder who owns Winning Edge Graphics in Alexandria. She's got a little Lightning McQueen car she brings to some of the racetracks. You see Lightning McQueen themed race cars. That's all based, That's all off of cars, isn't it? Talk a little bit about that. Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, I didn't watch cars when it originally came out. I think I may have been babysitting some kids and <laughs> that's how I got to watch it. But then I started watching it and it's like, oh, this is pretty good. And then it... Uh, it gets into some of the history of NASCAR. They have the Hudson Hornet in, in the, in the movie. And, uh, you know, I'm, I love vintage stuff. And I mean, I have, um, uh, or, uh, VHS tapes of the history of NASCAR. I love watching the footage of them racing on the beach and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm familiar with the Hudson Hornet and, um, and then, you know, uh, the Hudson Hornet is teaching uh, McQueen uh, how to how to go into the corners because you have to turn right to go left, and he doesn't understand that. So just just that sort of thing is is what I enjoyed about that movie. And that's something I'm going to have to watch. That's on the list for sure. I, I believe there's like two or three of them now, right? Isn't there like a, a Cars One, Cars Two? I think. Yeah, like I, I've only seen. Well, I, I think I've seen the second one too. I, I've seen the first two. Um, okay. But the first one is, to me, anyways, definitely. And if you got kids, the best right? I mean, if you got kids, you got to watch. If you're a race fan, right. you got kids, you got to watch it. Talladega Nights. You don't have it on your list. I don't have it on my. I'm not a big Will Ferrell fan, and to me um that movie just touches all the stereotypes of racers are rednecks and well let's just be honest i mean part of that probably is well there is that to a whole nother level right and and part of that's almost border yeah it's borderline offensive to racing but it's but it's kind of funny there's some stuff in there that's pretty good 
it's entered. If you're if you're a Will Ferrell fan, and let's be honest, Will Ferrell's that guy that there's people that are like, I love him some Will Ferrell, and he's great. And there's people who are like, I can't stand him. He drives me insane. He's just that guy. If you're a Will Ferrell fan, you got to watch it. If you can't stand watching Will Ferrell movies, probably not going <laughs> to be your movie, right? But it is what it is. Talladega Nights, I have them up in the top 10. A um, couple honorable mentions here um, I have. Lady Driver. Um, <laughs> the storyline ain't horrible, right? I mean, it's not horrible. I, I've seen a lot of gals posting, I love Lady Driver. I loved it, right? And I get it. You know, it's kind of the, you know, we're in that age now where, you know, you're getting a little bit of a push for women in motorsports and all that. Let's be honest, right? It's it's also a story of a spoiled-ass 16-year-old kid that raced seven times and mom and dad bought her a stacker trailer and a late model, right? <laughs> that might not be too far-fetched. Right? That might be fairly accurate, unfortunately, for some kids out there. More power to them. Um, but you know what i liked about it is dirt racing right i mean bobby pierce's car in the movie that's kind of cool they had some actual racing footage in the movie i thought that was kind of cool so yeah i, I mean on a scale of one to ten Bert, where would you put lady driver probably like uh now for entertainment value is, is that what we're overall projecting? just overall um I would probably say like a six. All right. He's being nice because ladies, I was going to say, if he put it underneath a five, it's B-E-R-T-L-E-H-M-A-L. <laughs> I mean, Give him all it, the hate mail. It, it was an entertaining movie, but, you know, as I'm watching it, it's like this girl has never raced before. And by the end of the movie, she's racing on the Lucas. I mean, it wasn't called the Lucas Oil, but, you know, she's racing a dirt late model. Yeah, Lucas Oil biggest, Speedway, biggest race of the right. year. Right. <laughs> and, wins and the race, like, come on. And, you know, well, and it was unrealistic. Well, I mean, Days of Thunder was unrealistic in some ways, too. But, you know, they're shifting gears in, uh, you know, going down the straightaway with the dirt late model and, so See, that's what I was missing. I never understood it. If I would have been <laughs> shifting in that late ball, I probably would have won more race. I don't know what I was thinking. No, you're right. I mean, it's kind of got that like drama, like a, a chick flick type movie, right? But part of it kind of like like almost pissed me off. It's like, are you serious? You got this. I've never raced before. I just got my driver's license and <laughs> I'm mad because I'm not winning. And four races later, she's in victory. Like, what are you talking about? Right. <laughs> I mean, Gals probably like that one. Another couple more here. Um, the the love bug, right? Herbie the love bug, old movie. There's like three or four different Herbie the love bug, the the Volkswagen bug with the 53 on the side, cheesy as hell. But like literally, as a little kid, that was one of the only like racing type movies out there, right? So I remember when I was a little kid, and and movies have gotten way better since back in the 70s or whatever that movie came out i bet i watched that all kinds of times as a kid so i remember i remember watching that movie with my dad so yeah so i'll give them an honorable mention have you seen the paul newman story no i have not that's another one i have on the list to watch um he 47 years old before he started racing was involved in the racing industry for over 30 years and you know mostly 
like road road course type stuff or whatever, but very accomplished. And and me as a hockey fan, and Puka will appreciate this. Paul Newman, of course, was in Slapshot, right? Probably one of the best all time hockey movies of all time. So never yeah. saw it. Yeah. So that's homework <laughs> for Bert. Slapshot. Get I have it. I have it in my DVR, and I saw it you was on the movie watch. channel. So yeah, I you gotta that. watch Slapshot. It's it's classic. They brought their fucking cars with them. Stupid <laughs> machine took my quarter. I don't. They got no stinking root beer. Good stuff. You gotta watch, right? You gotta watch. You gotta watch it. But uh, Paul Newman, and then if you had to say the worst racing movie that you've seen, go ahead. What do you got? Well, for me, it's Talladega Nights. Okay, okay. <laughs> Trading paint is awful. I don't awful. know if that's the worst. Oh my goodness! I, I that movie was so. I thought it was terrible. Um, and I like John Travolta is a good actor. Shania Twain is just freaking hot. It just is what it is, right? I and didn't that, realize that was her at first. Yeah. And then <laughs> I'm, I'm excited to watch it. I'm like John Travolta, this guy. I mean, he's all kinds of. That's what. Yeah, John Travolta in Shania. I'm like, it's got, it's got to be good. And they're they're at the Talladega short track racing. Uh, you want to talk about a cheesy movie? That movie, horrible. I thought that movie was absolutely terrible. Like I can't get that hour and a half of my life back. It's dirt racing, so you got to watch it. Maybe you like it better than I did. But I'm gonna go ahead and say that's my least favorite. So, Bert, that well, was fun. I mean, any closing thoughts on the movies? Well, there's one other one that I watched over the weekend. Uh, I mean, it's racing related, but it's the racing is in the early part of the movie, and then the second half of the movie is uh, I'll I'll say redemption and inspiration, but there's really no racing involved in it. But uh, a champion. Um, and um, I mean, I don't want to give I don't want to give stuff away if people want to watch it, but uh, it, it's called Champion. And I mean, just a quick synopsis. He's a race car driver, single dad, loses his kid um, involved, Sounds real. In, Sounds real. <laughs> involved in a racing accident. Um, and then um, the rest of the movie is uh, trying to redeem himself. Okay, I haven't seen that one. You'll have to text me that. Champion is the name of it. Yeah, the let me. Okay. So it looks, like, it looks like dirt racing at that. It, it's a dirt late model, yes. Okay, okay. I have not seen that, which is surprising to me. So I. That's one that I guess I'll have to check out. I'm sure I can find it online. So let's get into the next segment, Bert. That was a lot of fun, by the way. So thank you to the fan that said, hey, check out your top 10 racing shows. That, that was It was an entertaining week watching that. There's a lot of good racing movies out there. I'm glad I got to watch. Still have a couple more to do. A couple I didn't see that I finally saw, Blink of an Eye. That, that was worth it all by itself. That movie was unbelievable. But uh, let's get into some who's hot. And who's not brought to you by Blue Line Brews. So first of all, if you're going to watch some of these movies or jump online, bluelinebrews.com, order yourself some Java, right? A portion of those proceeds are going to go to injured families of injured officers, families of fallen officers. But get yourself some coffee, pour a cup of coffee, watch the race. You'll be glad you did. 
But Bert, who do you have? Who's hot? Uh, he didn't get any wins last week, but he was uh, on the podium, and that would be uh, Tim McCready. He he did what second and a thirty got right. He he's pretty solid in a kind of a kind of whining a little bit last week though, Bert. Kind, was kind he? Yeah, he's whining about the droop rule. Oh, look, it's not as good at racing. It's like, dude, everybody else has it. Relax, okay? Because remember, World of Outlaws went through it. Lucas went through it now. So he said he finally made some adjustments. And he was pretty racy, but I think he was maybe expecting to park at Victory Lane kind of up on his home turf. But uh, T-Mac, uh, T-Mac's a good one. You know who I have is Turbo. Turbo, Turbo, his last four races, a pair of thirds, a first, and a fifth. And uh, third in the Lucas Oil standings kind of dominated really up at Hagerstown. I did not expect it because I, I just didn't see that being his kind of track, so to speak, to win on. And uh, I can see him being up on them elbow up tracks coming up here shortly, um, maybe over at like uh, Macon and stuff in a couple of weeks with the Lucas Oil. But Turbo surprisingly um, elevating his game just a little bit. Who do you have on who's not? Well, I mentioned him earlier, and that uh, would be Hudson O'Neill. Um, I mean, like I said, the, the last race, he was lapped by lap 15. And, uh, I mean, he's just, you know, he's just not running good at all this year. And I don't know what happened to him. No, here's how bad he's running, Bert, because that's my not also, okay? Because, again, you're copying my homework. I'm going first. On the next. <laughs> 24 starts zero wins how many podiums do you think hudson o'neill has this year one two he got third at golden isles and then he got second one night at east bay he i mean you're right he's been terrible i mean this completely like and he's like embarrassingly bad he had a post on facebook today they they went testing of course roger sellers owns his track also owns uh smoky mountain speedway and what is it tennessee i think it is so they went testing with both cars. They're like, we got to fix this because this is embarrassingly bad. And he's somebody that kind of closing out the year last year. We're like, man, he's kind of resurged with this new ride and car. He, he looked pretty good at times in Florida. And uh, he just, he's, he's on the struggle bus bad and maybe, maybe can turn it around. So let's jump into the, uh, the sure bets of the week. And of course, number one lock of the week, of course, is Jay Schmidt real estate in Watertown, South Dakota, big racing family out there at the Casino Speedway for many years. Jay's got 20 years in business. And if you need land transactions, commercial, residential, you name it, the lock of the week, buy a long shot, get a hold of Jay Schmidt, Jay Schmidt Real Estate in Watertown, South Dakota. And Bert, I'm going first. So you don't take mine. And uh, I just want to mention, right? I'm just going to play this little clip here. Hold on just a minute. Hmm. How about that, Bert? I got it right last week. I said that Bishop was going to leave the weekend with the orange spoiler, the Lucas Oil point lead. I'm like a prophet. Like a prophet. He did. He did. As bad as he sucked night one in Hagerstown, putting on the backup beeper, Moran was worse, right? So Brandon Shepard, your Lucas Oil point leader. But my sure bet of the week here, Bert, Chris Smokey Madden is going to find victory lane this week. And uh, I believe it's going to be either at that, what is it, Wythe or With Speedway or Taswell 
would be my guess for a Madden. He's been hot. He's been on fire. But Madden is going to be at, at the three races that we're going to be picking on this weekend. I think he's going to win one of the final two and stay hot in that 44. Bert, who do you got? Uh, well, I have to disagree with you because uh, Superman's going to get back to, into victory lane at Taswell and uh, win that race. <laughs> well, we could both be right because if he wins at Taswell and Madden wins the night before, yeah. <laughs> we could both technically be right. But yeah, I mean, he's he's kind of been there, but not there. JD has been kind of on the outside looking in. Madden's been red hot. Let's see if he can stay hot. Should be some good races. So let's jump into the last lap brought to you by Zuli's race engines and mother nature doing him some favors because they build such a good product that there's a lot of people calling, getting motors from Frank and sounds like he's getting them out there, but uh, thankfully mother nature is working so he can get them out there on time. And uh, let's just face it. You know, if you can't beat them, join them, jump on a Zuli race engines, Facebook page, you'll see all the success they had over the past couple of years because he posts and he, it's really cool because it's one thing you have engine builders, right? That they build engines and everybody's got pride, but they really do good with the marketing and promoting their guys. I, as a racer, I appreciate that, that every time one of their drivers wins, they're posting it on Facebook. It's good marketing for them, but it also gives recognition to their drivers. So join Team Zulis if you want to have a great 2022 season. So first of all, a little bit of sad news over in Eastern Wisconsin. Bert, go ahead. What do you got? Yeah, uh, Roger the Bear Regeth uh, passed away uh, yesterday. Um, he was uh, um, one of the best racers uh, in the late 60s uh, and then throughout the 70s. Uh, raced late models. Uh, he won multiple track championships at Channel Speedway. Um, whenever you talk to racers, they always say, you know, he was the, he was, he was the most aggressive driver out there. Let's put it that way. I mean, he was, he wasn't afraid to, uh, uh, move somebody out of the way and, uh, you know, he was, but he, he was a great racer. He retired and then he came back and raced uh, Grand National cars, which are kind of similar to IMCA stock cars. Uh, won multiple features at Shano Speedway racing those. So, I mean, even at, when he got older, he was still winning when, when he came back. So, uh, you know, it's uh, sad to see racing legends die. Uh, I know Joe Vertigan. Um, I mean, if you're interested in learning more about Roger Regeth, uh, JoeVertigan.com. Uh, he has some audio interviews that he did with him on. He's posted them on his website, and he has a story about uh, his friendship with 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 Roger Regeth. And um, Joe Vertigan also wrote a book uh, several years ago about J.J. Smith and uh, Roger Regeth. So you know, there's there's some material out there if you want to learn more more about him. Yeah, Joe, Joe's a good historian. He's got a lot of great yeah. stuff. And I, I saw something one day. He said every interview that he ever did, uh, audio interview, he has it on there. So that's a pretty cool deal. Like, he, there must uh -huh. be a lot of history. I've read some of his stuff, and it's all great stuff. So JoeVertigan.com to check out some of that great history. Um, I want to give a shout-out on a positive note. Devin Fouquet, fourth-place finish in the IMCA mods with Soda Guy. Um, kind of had a good battle for the rookie of the year honors came up short Brandon cop won that 
But Bert, he already has 16 shows, and we're not even into the Wasota season. And, and it's kind of fun to see these kids that are hungry, right? That have, and don't get me wrong, he's got the ability, he's got, you know, some help financially to be able to do that. But uh, fourth place down at Bone, that's nothing to sneeze at with that competition down there. He's got a win already this year, some podium finishes down in Arizona. Um, do you think that when people start racing all winter long, that kind of, do you think that can maybe give them a little bit of a leg up coming into their regular season? Um, yes. Um, it can give them a leg up because they've already uh, broke, you know, loosened the rust off. Um, my, my concern would be, are they going to get burned out though, as the season goes along, uh, will they get burned out quicker because they have been racing pretty much all year? Well, they're not all our age, Bert. He's, he's <laughs> half of our age. So at that age, when I, I ran 98 shows one year and I, I would have ran more if there was more to race. I don't think he's in a position yet to have that burnout. Um, another guy I want to give a shout out is uh, Dylan Terrell and Terrell Racing um, over in uh, White South Dakota. And I was talking about some of the stuff I'm doing with the Hornets, and we'll get into more of that later. But remember a couple of years ago, maybe it was, no, two years ago, I talked about uh, Stinger Speedway over in Winger, South Dakota. They had the little go-kart track, and they, you know, basically everybody come in and you could pay in recreational go-kart track, but it was an oval, they had heats and features, super cool. A ton of racers went down to there. Well, now they've kind of stepped up their game even more. Um, they started a business called TV Chassis, and he's like, look, I, I just want to help racing, right? Racing is incredibly, incredibly expensive. You're spending way too much on most of these cars. And his goal and their goal at TV Chassis is to do everything they can to help people get an affordable car out there in the Hornet class, help grow the sport. So give them a, give them a like, give them a look over on Facebook. And if you're interested in getting you or your kid into racing, that might be a good alternative to get into an affordable car to get, uh, to get yourself started. So Bert NASCAR at Bristol this week on dirt. Um, you know, we, we've been talking about that. They had it last year over, give me your thoughts uh, to start with. Um, well, um, it'll be interesting to see how they, how they do it. Hopefully the weather is, is good. Um, there, uh, they had some issues last year with rain at the track. So I don't, um, the dirt was kind of soft last year. Um, I did notice that the race is going to be on like late in the afternoon, early evening on Sunday. So, uh, um, I'm glad that they put it in, in that time, time slot because, uh, um, to be able to showcase it more, especially on Easter Sunday, because it's Sunday is Easter. So, and, um, I mean, it, I, in the past, uh, NASCAR never raced on Easter, but, uh, uh, now they do. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, you know, I saw something that they were practicing with the windshields out, so I don't know if they're going to be racing with the windshields out or not. Um, Knock on wood. Knock on see, wood. To me, I don't think you can do dirt racing if you have a windshield because, I mean, that's what they do with the truck races. That's what they always did at Eldora. And that's why I usually didn't watch the races because they get the track packed so hard that basically you're racing on asphalt anyway. Right, right. I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, 
don't get everybody's got their opinion if they like tacky or dry whatever right but if, they, if they're gonna leave it like concrete don't even put dirt on it yeah i mean you're just spending all that money for nothing at that point and last year really they probably could have got the race in if they would have not had windshields right they could have found a way to get it in they kept i mean what was it lap two and they, nobody could see I that's mean, right that you i know? forgot about that so i mean <laughs> just get rid of the windshields and have a real race. A lot of these drivers now are racing dirt. William Byron, he's going to race. Uh, we'll talk about that bulls gap. He's going to race on dirt. So I, I'm with you. I'm really hoping they go without the windshields. And I, it just makes sense that they would do that. I mean, it's not a very difficult thing for them to do. So they should be able to figure it out. Now, speaking of NASCAR, sounds like they're getting a little feisty, right? Um, Haley Deegan having a little conversation at the end of her race. And then, of course, you had Ty Gibbs uh, throwing some haymakers there. Talk, I, I know one of the, the guy he was throwing haymakers at, your, your guy, he's a Wisconsin guy. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, Sam Mayer, he's, he's from Wisconsin. And, uh, yeah, you know, Gibbs is, uh, he's starting to get a reputation because it was only the week before that uh, he uh, bumped his, teammate out of the way to take a victory and his teammate wasn't real happy about that so and then the next Short week memory. Short and memory. then the next week he gets into a fisticuffs and uh so uh he's definitely developing a reputation and you know drivers always say that they race drivers the way they're raced by that driver so we'll see what happens to him in the future well and yeah. probably a lesson, though, too, is don't take your helmet off if there's going to be a confrontation. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to talk about that here. So he got fined, <laughs> incidentally, 15000 okay? But not for the fight. It was for bumping into a car in pit road after the race, right? So he got, for bumping into a car, he got a $15,000 fine. They also got a $5,000 fine for some lug nut deal, but they got zero fine for him throwing punches. There you go. The answers had they want they want to see more uh, WWE UFC type stuff in in racing. Maybe that needs to happen a little bit more. Now, taking the helmet off. I mean, I saw Kenny Wallace saying, "Oh, nobody took their helmet off. Nobody ever takes their helmet off." I'm like, that that's just stupid, right? I mean, like that's not even a fight. And if you watch it, I watched it a couple times, right? So that guy went up. The you know, Sam Mayer went up and kind of got in his face kind of give him a little shove and then he threw a couple of haymakers at him and then mayor went he didn't like run away he went straight back at him and by the like he never had a chance to like get back in the fight because as soon as he went after him everybody grabbed a hold of him and broke it up i call bullshit on that bird if that dude's gonna let if he's gonna get punched in the face a couple of times get the hell out of the way let him go back after the guy why are they breaking it up after he got hit Right. I don't think it's over yet. I think this is, I think there's more to come. No, they did have to go to the trailer afterwards, but I think they should sell tickets. It should be uh, Ty Gibbs, Sam Mayer, front straightaway Bristol, in, you know, in between session one and session two or whatever they call them, segment one and segment two. Let them, let them do a little boxing and whoever, whoever wins gets to start ahead of the next guy in the next segment or something like that. I mean, there's unfinished business. I, if, if somebody's going to throw punches and that person wants to go back in it for more and get, get in it, let them go. The, I think them breaking this deal up was a mistake. They shouldn't let them have that. That's my, that's my thoughts. What do you think? 
Um, yeah, well, I mean, they have to break it up, but yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, uh, you know, Gibbs got in some pretty good punches and Mayer lunged and then, and then they started, then they started breaking it up. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I don't think this is over. I mean, um, drivers, they remember that. And they, like I said, they always say that they race other drivers the way that driver races them. So, uh, um, you know, and the fact that Gibbs has been in controversy two weeks in a row, um, you know. <laughs> good Christian group there, you know, Joe Gibbs, very Christian. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that, that's uh, why you got Ty Gibbs. I mean, you know. They that's say, why it was you know, kind of surprising to for me to to see him throw punches. Um, so, but. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I like that, right? Because it got my attention. If if it wouldn't have been for that, I probably wouldn't even have tuned in at all, right? So that kind of stuff, regardless if we like it or don't like it, it brings people to the sport. So well, I'm glad and, they didn't find him. I'm surprised. Are you surprised that he didn't get a fine for that? Yeah, I am surprised. Um, I mean, they're definitely set a precedent. I mean, so if anybody throws punches in the future, they can't, they really can't do anything to that driver. Um, but, you know, as far as drawing attention, yeah. I mean, people now are going to tune in for at least the next few races just to see if anything happens more. Well, now uh, we got Bristol on dirt. If there's going to be some controversy, it's <laughs> Bristol on dirt. So tune in. We might have to check out some Sunday night action over at Surprise they're racing on Easter, but it is what it is. But I'll, I'll be tuning into that one. I'll be watching that one for sure. Now, speaking of that, Bert, let's jump into our uh, standings for the week. Um, we had a little bit of movement. Things are getting tight. Um, technically, Puka is in the lead. Um, he's tied with Jeff, but he missed tonight, right? So I, I don't know. Sorry, Jeff, but I, I think if I had to pick between you and Puka right now, our flat build friend got to be in first, which unbelievable. You got a flat build hockey dude, which that don't even go together. A flat build racing that he's leading. I don't know. Bert, you're only one point back. I gained some points this weekend too, but not enough. I'm at 29. So I'm three points out of first. Mike is now in double digits. Brad is still waiting to get on the board. I have a feeling it'll happen this week. Had some pretty good picks. Now, speaking of this week, the races we're going to pick is uh, Thursday night. Um, open late model race, 20,000 to win over at the Volunteer Speedway, Bulls Gap, Tennessee. This is the show, of course, Bert, that Kyle Larson is promoting. Interesting enough, he wants to make it kind of like the prelude to the dream. That's yep. cool. William Byron. I haven't heard any other NASCAR guys. Of course, Kyle Larson, right? I haven't heard who else is going to be there. Clint Boyer is going to be on the mic. That's going to be fun. He does a hell of a job. I think he's highly entertaining. Um, what's well, your... And plus, plus, uh, I mean, he knows about dirt racing, so it's not like he's going to, you know, he won't be uninformed. I mean, he, he's raced on dirt in the past and, um, you know, he owned a dirt late model team in the past also. So, you know, at, at least he'll be knowledgeable and, you know, he'll be able to, um, convey as you know, what's going on. Absolutely. So Spring Nationals, we're going to pick both of them. No Lucas World of Outlaw XR, none of that this week. But Friday at Wythe Speedway or Wythe Raceway, Rural Retreat, I think is where it's at. 
Saturday at Taswell for 21,000. So we got a couple there. The World of Outlaw Sprint Cars, they got the Ironman 55, the Prelude on Friday, and then they got the, the 55 Lapper, I believe, on Saturday, both at I-55. So we got five races this weekend that we're going to pick. Bert, which one are you most looking forward to? Um, I would say the one that uh, Kyle Larson is is promoting or helping to promote the, the one at Bulls Gap. Um, just uh, um, curious to see um, if he does anything special or if it's, you know, just to see how, how he promotes that race and how, how it's run. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to that one as well. Out of the out of the, all the late model races, I would say that one. Taswell, I mean, I'm kind of looking forward to that one too. That's a pretty aggressive racetrack. But probably more than anything, the Ironman 55, 55 laps of World of Outlaw Sprint Car action. That should be a heck of a good race. Brad Sweet, did you pick him this week? I picked him, I believe, for the second race. Yeah, I picked him for one of the races. He's screwed then. He ain't going to win. I picked him well, too. Now I'm going to have to um, change my pick because you picked him and you jinx him all the time. So uh, I actually looked at the results from all of the I-55 races last year, and Sweet was in was on the podium every single race at that track. He gets around that place pretty good. That'll be interesting. Good racing action, and you know we're going to leave it with this again. This is a time of year racing ain't happening yet. A lot of you have your cars ready. You know, tip of the cap to all you drivers that are putting your cars in car shows. Um, I've seen several different racers having their cars in car shows. A little suggestion, try to get something involved with the schools. Closer to racing season, if, if a few of you can get your cars over to the schools, get those kids involved, get them excited about racing. I think that would be good. But all of it helps, whether it's a car show at the school at your sponsor's place. Tip of the cap to Aaron Blacklance. I know he had his car. They actually tagged us on Facebook. I know that uh, Brandon Kopp had his car over at his sponsor's place here today. That kind of stuff is super cool. It needs to happen a lot more. And uh, Bert, episode 124 in the book, any closing thoughts before we jump off? Um, no, just that uh, we're very close to being able to talk about local racing soon. <laughs> yeah, Menominee canceled and Ogilvy canceled and Cedar Lake canceled and everything's canceling here, but uh, we got some racing coming up. Mother Nature, hopefully she gets this out of her system so we can get back to racing. I'm excited for it. It's going to be a great year, regardless of the tire issue. There's a lot of, lot of positive stuff happening in the racing industry. We'll be talking about it for sure. I'm Ryan Aho. That is Bert Lehman. Thanks for tuning in to the one to go show. A production of Goat Sports Media, LLC.